0: Are they going to see us?
1: Because that would be unfortunate. It's just audio. This is just a podcast.
0: Well,
2: then I wouldn't have had to wear
1: pants. (laughs) During a a pandemic, pants are usually optional.
0: Pants are optional.
1: Maybe when things start opening up again, they'll relax the standards about pants wearing in public as well. (laughs) Right. You are listening to the Chris Riffs Podcast, a show that explores the folk ethic of everyday people, being creative in everyday life. I'm your host, Christopher Hansen, and this is what I'm riffing on right now, generosity. That is the theme for this very first episode. Uh, T-Bone Burnett produced some of my favorite music, including Old Brother, Where Art Thou? I heard him say recently that generosity is the hallmark of the artist, And when I think of generosity and art, I think of Ken and Linda Hodgson. They are my guests for this episode and influenced the how and the why of my own music journey. Dr. Kenneth Hodgson literally taught me how to sing. He was my vocal instructor. He gave me a complete novice at the time, entrance into the Minnesota choral tradition and linda also a music educator as well as an author she is all about nurturing the creative gift that each of us has so that we can share it with others and everything i learned from them continues to serve me so i wanted to have them on and share their insights with us ken linda welcome
0: Thank you for having us. We're happy to
1: be here. Uh, there's no way I could do a whole uh, a whole bio of your lives or anything, so I just want to introduce you to people by telling the stories about how I met each of you individually. And I'll start with you, Ken. Sophomore year at the University of Minnesota Morris, I decided I wanted to learn how to sing. I uh, finally got up the guts to come in and do a tryout for the choir because I had been sitting outside the choir room during rehearsals and hearing those wonderful stacked harmonies and overtones and something about it spoke to me and I wanted to learn how to sing because I had just started playing guitar. And I uh, got into your office there and you uh-huh. sat at the piano and... I was very intimidated, and I said, I don't know if this is going to work. It might be a waste of your time, because I've never really sung before. And I'll never forget, you told me, Chris, anybody can sing. It's just a skill that you have to learn. We'll figure it out. And that put me on a trajectory of being able to sing with confidence, and that has opened a lot of doors in my life, and I really really appreciate that.
2: Do you remember that at all? I do. Not so much the specifics of it, but... I remember you you showing up and uh, doing the audition.
1: Yeah, it was just a wonderful experience, the whole choir experience. And then shortly after I met uh, Ken, Linda, you introduced yourself to me. I, I kind of joined late. It was this push to get ready for the carol concerts. And Linda, you were sitting in on some of those rehearsals. It was a pretty big group. In those days, that choir was how many singers, 60 or something like that? Usually
0: 65, 66. Yeah.
1: I was uh, a little stressed out and kind of going through some personal things. But uh, after one of the rehearsals, I hear somebody say, Chris. Then I saw, Linda, you were in one of the seats in the Presidium Theater there and looking at me. And I'm like, you're talking to me. And you're like, yeah, come sit next to me. And uh, (laughs) I didn't even know you knew my name. But you said, uh, how are you doing today, Chris? And I was like, well, I'm, I may as well be honest. I've been having a rough time lately, but today's going real well. And uh feel like I'm on the upswing. You kind of put your, your hand on your chest and you just go, oh, I'm so relieved. I could tell yesterday that you weren't doing very well. First of all, even my friends sometimes don't know I'm not doing well because I... Kind of a jokester and stuff, but you said I could tell yesterday you weren't doing very well. And you know, Ken and I last night we prayed for you, and I, I just want you to know we, we care about you. And if you ever need anything, let us know. And we've been—I mean, this is 23 years ago now, but that's how we met.
0: I remember very well um, meeting you, and one of my one of my goals always with Ken's choir was to learn everybody's names. You know, everybody yeah. stood and introduced themselves. Yeah, And uh, I just think names are important and, and knowing, knowing one another. And uh, of course, people have done that for me yeah. many times and it, it does make an impression.
1: Yeah, it yeah. broke down kind of like my defenses and it just opened up the path to relationship and we've, we've been friends ever since. So I do appreciate that you made that effort. I'd like to know from each of you, who are your influences because the music world can be exclusive and the two of you are very inclusive what's the thought behind music as something to help people
2: first of all my thoughts on on singing in particular are that everyone can everyone physically has all the apparatus that's needed to sing, but there's not always the encouragement to explore that, even when many people are children. The family is not musical or doesn't involve themselves with music, and then another one may. So the, the physical ability to make the sound and to produce singing is is there for everyone. And it's, um, I think it's a an extremely important aspect of our personality and our being to explore that and i feel bad that a lot of people don't you know you talk to somebody well can you sing oh no i can't i never could it's just i sound like you know garbage tipping over and and that's not true it's it's that we all have the ability and i think that the ability then to sing gives you an emotional outlet which i feel is a definite advantage mm-hmm over many folks that just don't have that experience or haven't been exposed to that. Hmm. And it's, a, it's a, almost a clarifying and purifying thing in your thought process and what's going through your mind that day or that night or at that moment. So I've, I've always been very positive about the fact that anybody and everybody can sing.
1: And that welcoming uh, openness uh, is what gave me my opportunity. But, like, you're from the Pacific Northwest, and I remember being up there with you, and you told me stories about logging and harvesting clams and whatever. But, like, how did you get into music?
2: (laughs) Well, I could sing um, walking to school when I was in elementary school. So I would make up my own sounds and, and words And I've always been able to sing. Now, the irony of that is that I started out music as being a trombone player, and I didn't sing through junior high and even my first year at high school. It wasn't until my second year in high school that I tried out for choir, and I made it, and I loved band, and I loved playing my trombone, but I found something in singing. I loved what my choir director was doing in choir, and... Uh, He was able to draw expression out of the group, and he obviously had a lot of musical sensitivity that is almost in his fingertips. I thought, you know, I want to do that.
1: That's amazing, because I have the same story. I grew up playing different instruments, and I was even in the jazz program uh, when I met you, and I ended ended up deciding to switch over to choir and and sing. I I enjoyed that personally a little bit more. Linda, what about you? I mean, you're you're from the quaint prairie town of Wheaton. And uh, how did you get into music, uh, playing the piano and choral directing?
0: Well, I give credit to my parents, um, who neither one was able to play an instrument simply because they grew up literally very poor. Um, but they encouraged and they listened. They they wanted my sister and myself to play instruments and to sing. And they we never had a television which I would have to say is also a huge uh, part of shaping my growing up because my parents would say every evening, why don't you sing and play and we'll listen? And they would sit and Mm. listen. But when you ask about um, who shaped you, I really do think of my dad because my dad's philosophy was if someone asks you to play or sing, you always say yes. Um, (laughs) And that was okay. I didn't feel that as a burden, but he always said it's a gift. It's a gift you have and you give it. And uh, we grew up playing in a tiny little place called the Farmers Union Town Hall. And that's where my sister and I had our musical uh, debuts. And we would play for maybe 20 people at a time. It used to be a schoolhouse, a tiny little country schoolhouse that we sang in. And whenever I sing now, I mean, I've had the opportunity to sing in big halls, as you know, and in yeah. many many cities, um, almost every state in and in the united states i've sung in and yet i never feel oh i'm some big deal because my roots are in that little wooden town hall with 20 people and they were so appreciative and we we had to clean the mouse droppings i'm not making this up (laughs) we had to clean the mouse droppings off the piano keys before we could play in that little town hall. And yet it was such a wonderful experience. So that's, I credit my dad with Mm. saying, you know what, you have a gift and you share it.
1: It sounds like there's there's kind of a nurturing where an environment was created that was conducive to your uh, development. And then I would say that that was your legacy as well. You you have a nurturing uh, approach, the both of you. What are you working on right now. I know that things are a little bit limited with uh, the pandemic and such, but uh, we got any projects on the burner?
0: Well, I'm still teaching vocal music at St. Mary's Elementary School in Morris. And we, of course, can't sing because singing is one of the big spreaders of the COVID-19 virus. Mm -hmm. And I was frankly quite worried about how my year was going to go of teaching and I have to say that honestly it's been one of the best years I have ever had teaching but the first idea was to teach sign language this year uh, along with music so um, we started the year and I still don't know how that thought came to me so it had to be just from God but we listen to music and as we listen we sign it and all the way from pre-k through sixth grade We have been expressing ourselves musically with sign language, and both I and the students have learned so much, and we've been performing it um, at church, and I've had people literally come up crying to me from the congregation saying, "Um, that was the most worshipful thing I have seen for so long. Hmm. So they're listening to the music and then doing the sign language along with it.
1: That's amazing. Did you ever see uh, Mr. Holland's Opus? It kind of reminds me of that. uh, That was really touching. And I think that the sacred music aspect, too, probably helps bridge that gap from where some people think of music as just a fine art that exists only for its own sake. In the sacred realm, there is a goal and a purpose, an application for the music. I mean, that's a lot of my approach is that music is practical and it meets a need is that part of your approach to music as well
0: oh very much so i i don't think music exists in a vacuum i i do think it meets a need very much so
1: and that's probably why you're so down to earth and you're not snobs even though you're both accomplished But you never look (laughs) down your nose at anybody
0: yeah i would say if you know there's one word we want to be it's approachable we want to be approachable because if you think you're better than somebody else, then you don't get to join in with others. It's not inviting. right? It has yeah. to be a sharing. And I think that's mm. the thing that's kind of kept, uh, held us together through
2: this COVID, that we're able to present music at the Catholic Church. We're the only ones that get to sing. Mm-hmm. There's two of us back in the corner, you know, 16 to 20 feet away from anybody else. Yeah. But by golly, it's amazing how, we have feel, felt blessed by being able to give that.
1: I, yeah, music is definitely meant to be shared and not hoarded or making it exclusive.
0: Another thing, Chris, that we did at St. Mary's this year is we did syncane poems. Um, and I had the students, we've studied a lot about percussion since we couldn't sing. And oh, so yeah. we would put percussion um, behind these poems that they would read that had a certain number of syllables with verbs and adjectives and nouns and phrases and uh, boy they really expressed themselves in a wonderful way and then had the percussion behind them to keep a rhythm going and uh, it was just a fun way to for them to i think to express themselves which was fun
1: that's great what are some of the other creative endeavors that the two of you participate in and how does that enrich your lives
0: well, <laughs> we like, we like to, to, uh, to write. Ken has helped me a lot with that. And we, of course, love to, to sing together many different venues. Um, what else?
2: Well, I put in a vineyard. Yes. Yeah. I make wine. And when I go out to the vineyard during the summer, I go out mentally with my cup of coffee and, and say, well, I'm going to go out and prune the Sopranos today. <laughs> And then um, the altos need a little work, especially on uh, this lower level of the vine. And uh, the, the tenors, of course, uh, I, I need to go out and, and uh, nurture them along in their endeavors. <laughs>
0: That's def- it, yes, it may great. seem
2: funny, but there is a great deal of satisfaction then doing that. Mm-hmm. So it has really given me a, a lot of, of joy during a time... When it's kind of hard to come by.
1: Yeah, Susie kind of does with her gardening and stuff too. She calls them her plant babies. So she kind of like (laughs) thinks of them like her family or people. And she's just like, is everybody doing well here? Or like, okay, looks like (laughs) she talks to them. It's so great. Uh, Yeah, that's definitely a creative outlet, I would say. That's legit.
0: And look what it does for others. I drive by your place on purpose just so i can see all those beautiful plants
1: that a lot of people do and they slow down and then they feel weird about it or whatever if we see them but (laughs) (laughs) when we were on prairie garden garden we started getting a lot of people coming by but Susie loves to share that with others to the point where she made me build the fence on the uh inside of the garden so that she was accessible to people coming by and asking questions and stuff
2: nice it is marvelous and i you know it surprises me and somewhat I'm a little embarrassed, but people I don't even know will meet me in the grocery store and say, Hey, how's the, how are the grapes growing? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's something they can see from the road when they drive by that is a little different from the waving wheat fields and corn and soybeans.
1: You make good wine and you're growing Marquettes, and what else are you growing over there?
2: Well, uh, Marquette and the Frontenac, uh, two of the Frontenac family, Gris and Blanc, and some of the new Itasca, oh, right. uh, La Crescent, uh, are the mainstays.
1: That's great. And making wine is an art as well.
2: Yeah, I'm, I have not been as successful making wine as I was uh, working with choir. But <laughs> <laughs> it's a learning process.
1: I love that. You're still learning. Yes.
0: And think of you, Chris, the way you share your music in many more ways than I even am aware of. But right. I know that you've taken your guitar to... Group homes, nursing homes, uh, Kiwanis meetings, and uh, just the way you share your music, and the way you and Susie um, you've shared that in the park, uh, art in the park, and boy, that reaches a lot of people.
1: Thank you. Yes, I, I think of it like a it's a folk thing, um, yep. where it's any, it's accessible to anybody, and it's practical to whatever that event is, fundraisers or whatever.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: Now you mentioned earlier. Sometimes people have a creative passion or, you know, they want to be able to sing or whatever, but they put it on the back shelf because they don't feel like it's useful or valuable. Maybe they've been criticized at some point in their past or the dream has died. If there's somebody out there listening to this and they're in that boat, they've got a creative passion that they've put on mothballs, what would be your message to that listener.
2: Oh my! They they should explore it however they can. How does it feel to make that kind of expression? It's something everybody can explore on their on their own. It's a, it's a physical thing as well as a mental
0: and spiritual thing. And I would say too, any instrument. You know, uh, both my sister and I have taught piano lessons and uh, flute lessons and guitar. And, uh, boy, people can start at any age. Yep. And the only caution I'd say is don't put pressure on yourself to become, you know, a virtuoso no, right, right away. Right. It takes time and practice. But you can begin an instrument at any time in your life.
1: Yeah, that's the the, the judgments that people make a lot is, oh, I'm not good enough. Right. For whatever reason, they've been made to feel not adequate. Like we said before, it's it's not a competition. It's more about just... You know, personal expression.
0: There's a lot to be said for that, and yeah. then and then to do it skillfully, all the better. Well, that's and that's where
2: I began walking down the alley or the streets, coming home or going to school in the second and the third grade, singing this top of my voice, just enjoying the mm-hmm. physical feeling of making sound and emoting expression, and and that's something that anybody can explore and find that it really is a meaningful thing in their own life regardless of age hmm.
1: is there anything else you guys would like to put out there or to, to to say before we close up
2: well we've appreciated what both you and Susie have done since graduating from school but also during the time when you're in when you were in school and inquire and and going through those learning processes it was it was just great fun knowing you guys back then, and it still is now.
1: Um, it's a pleasure to to know you both, and I, I think people don't often realize. I mean, we had a pretty good choir, but the majority of the members were not were not even music majors, including myself. It was just wonderful to have that opportunity. So thank you so much for that and for enriching my life in that way. And to both of you for uh, just uh, being such good friends over the years. I can't wait to see you in real life again.
0: <laughs> ditto, ditto. We're Chris. looking forward to that. <laughs> and thank you from my end also for all you and Susie do for our community. And I mean this with all my heart whenever I get to hear you sing and play. That's a treat.
1: Well, it's a treat for me as well. Appreciate your, you. appreciate your time. It was fun.
0: Thank you, Chris. All right. Have Thank a great rest of the day. You too. All Bye-bye. right. Bye. Bye.
1: Well, are you feeling your feelings? It's easy to get warm fuzzies talking to them. Dr. Kenneth Hodgson and Linda Winter Hodgson. They've dedicated their lives not just to music education, but demonstrating creative generosity and I'm a proud product of that and it doesn't matter that I don't sing choral music anymore they still inspire me to be more generous with my roots music and whatever your creative bent I hope that you're inspired to explore that thing like Ken did as a kid just go play play at that thing and enjoy it and be generous with it The Chris Riffs Podcast is a production of ChristopherHanson.com. It's a free outreach, but there is a cost to deliver it. So my heartfelt thanks um, goes out to my support network, especially my family and my guests for their time. And thank you for listening. Take care.
0: And you kind of disappeared what happened to you he has, he's having an
2: existential crisis <laughs> <laughs> disappeared